Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, 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 and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Uh, with me tonight is Rosie Mancus, and um, she, I think, hails from somewhere exotic and wonderful. Um, well... I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Rosie, try me. Where are you from? I actually am originally from New York, but I've been living in New Jersey, a town called Marlboro, New Jersey. For any of your listeners who are from the States, it's about 30 minutes from the Jersey Shore um, beach areas. So it's quite good. lovely. That sounds good enough to me. It's got a beach. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about what you do. So... Um, I will tell you first that I am a two-time cancer survivor. I had um, stage 1A lung cancer in 2008, um, had 10% of my right lung removed. And then in 2015, I was diagnosed with an early stage breast cancer, but I tested positive for a breast cancer gene. gene, And um, I ended up having a bilateral mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. Um, After my second cancer journey, I decided I wanted to be a life coach because I wanted to help serve others. So I'm a life coach, I'm a speaker, and I'm also an author of a book um, entitled Find Your Joy and Run With It, um, which is uh, out on Amazon now. But, you know, in terms of resilience, um, one of the things that is really very much discussed in my book is is, um, how you can move from significant adversity to emotional wellness. Um, In the space of one year, I had... um, as I said, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, but also during that time, my family and I had to transition my mom into an assisted living facility due to the progression of her dementia. And mm-hmm. she was so fearful. She didn't want to leave the only life she knew, which was living in New York and moving closer to us to a facility in New Jersey. And then just when things were starting to settle down, my 58-year-old brother died in a horrific accident. So it was just a very, very significant year of losses for me. And I, um, I felt cursed. I didn't know how to get out of bed and be me or pretend to be me. And the story that I share when I go on podcasts or and within my book and also speaking is how do you do that? How do you move from that place where despondency and despair to try to find your way to emotional wellness and healing? And in my case, I wanted to find my way back to a place where I could find joy in everyday living. Um, And uh, that's what uh, I share when I speak and when I'm on shows is how I did that. What did Mm -hmm. I do in order to to move from where I was to to where I am now? So what did you do? So that's a good question. So I used to think 
prior to that horrible year. And the way I used to think was big picture. If I could just do this one big thing, I could fix it. Or I could do this other big thing, I could fix it. But I found that when I was in this place, that it wasn't going to be one big thing. It would be a series of small things that brought together would create this change. And I, you know, I listen sometimes to different shows and um, have heard people speak and they will give you the top 10 things you could do to heal. Or, you know, they'll quote from, um, you know, some sort of journal of medicine. And what I found in working with my um, clients, as well as working on myself, that it was going to be more grassroots kind of foundation building, um, digestible kind of bits of information. Because when you're really down in that level of place, you can't comprehend more than just a little bit at a time. So one of the first things I did was, um, I know we all talk about gratitude. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff about gratitude and I actually practice gratitude every day. I wear this bracelet. It's, uh, I, have, I have a bracelet that has four beads on it and it's called a blessings bracelet. Mm -hmm. But when I was in that space, I had to look at and define what happy was because I really was not happy. Um, so one day I decided to sit down and write five things that make me happy. And when I say things, I mean things. I don't mean people because people in my life continue to make me happy. Um, but things as you go through your day to day. And I was looking at a blind page because I wasn't happy. So I took a sidestep and I said, okay, how about writing five things that could make you happy? And the list I came up with, Russell, was so basic and so rudimentary at that time. It was like sitting on the couch with my dog snuggle next to me, feeling their warmth mm. or um, drinking my morning beverage and really savoring its great taste, uh, watching a sunrise or a sunset, taking a walk, even if it's just around the block, because, you know, I was recovering from major surgery and that's basically yeah. as far as I could go. And then just lighting a couple of scented candles and turning the lights out to watch some glimmer. So that was my list of things that could make me happy. But the problem was, is that they weren't a list of things that made me happy. So I, what I did is I, I turned them into affirmations and I would read them over and over until which point I felt that I was strong enough to integrate them into my life. And also then I would start in, with another list. But another thing I did was I took, a, I took a look at things I gave up during that awful year. And one of the things, very simple, but really important is I stopped turning the radio on because I couldn't fathom, you know, listening to music, connecting to lyrics, but music is such an important thing to me. Like I use music for it's soothing and, and it's soulful to me and lyrics speak directly to me. And I probably needed it more then than ever before. And so I worked on bringing music in back into my life, um, starting with simple songs from let's say my teenage years and then moving on to where the, the lyrics spoke directly to me, like Let It Be or uh, Calling All Angels by Train. The other thing I gave up is I stopped exercising. One, because I couldn't, because I had major surgery, but then I had this like crippling anxiety. Um, I had this fear and, you know, for your listeners, maybe will think it's a little crazy, but I felt that before I had a bilateral mastectomy, that when people would greet me, they look in my eyes first. And afterwards I felt that people would look down first yeah. and it created this crippling anxiety to the point that I didn't want to do things. So I, what I did was I wanted to go back to the gym and I said, you know, I, I'm going to find the strength to see if I could go back and be at the, I, I take classes. I see if I could be at the back of the class, but I have to really take a look at my gym buddies and really visualize who they are. You know, I knew their faces of course, and visualize my encounter with them. And maybe they might look down, maybe not. 
Or also maybe they might say, instead of saying, how are you? They might say, I heard what happened. And I had to think about what I wanted to share. You know, of course, some with some I would share more because I was closer to them and some I might share less. And by doing that whole thing, this visualization when I was at home, what, what I thought would happen, happened. The first time I went back to the gym, second time if I hadn't seen some people, but I had prepared myself for it. And I was more prepared for that encounter with the people. So it kind of took like that the steam out of the kettle and it kind of made me easier to uh, push through it. And you say um, that you, before developing these things, you read lots of self-help books and had therapy and such like. Is there, is there a single self-help book you would recommend other than your own, obviously? Um, what would you suggest? I didn't really read a lot of self-help books. I, I did go into therapy um, at, one, at the point when my brother passed away, which was a third of the things that happened to me. I went into therapy. I literally cr- uh, crawled into a therapist's office. I was so broken at that point. And she was very helpful for me to, um, to grieve these things. You know, you, you know, it's three losses. I lost my mom, not physically, but my mentally, my mom um, was my best friend. She was my confidant. She would be the first person I would call when something good or bad happened to me. Yeah. Um, I lost my breasts and I lost my brother. He passed away in a horrific accident. Um, but also through the life coach training of my own is where I started to really take stock in, you know, in what. I needed to do for, for myself um, to get to the place from a, the diversity to the emotional wellness that I shared sure. before. And you decided to write a book, which is admirable. So tell us why you decided to write it and who's it for? So it's funny because um, I thought writing the book was just to be cathartic for me. Um, and it was in, in terms of writing and kind of like just breaking down all these things that happened and how I would move away from that place to a much better place uh, uh, than I am. Um, it's uh, interesting, the feedback that I've gotten, because people come up to me at book signings or after like a Zoom uh, speech or something, and they'll say, I've taken so many things that you did in the book and using them in my own life and applying it to myself. And I, I said, whoa, you know, I, I really didn't like start out writing this for this reason, but if this is helping people, then that's great. The other interesting thing is, you know, I thought the book would be more about only for reader-wise, for people that are, are of my age, you know, in, in terms of, let's say, pe- people, let's say, demographically, like 40 to 65, let's call it. Yeah. And then young people came up to me and said, you know, I found that when you were describing the things that you did or you were describing the feelings when you were going through the things that you were going through, I found it so emotionally relatable. And I was like, wait, okay, time out. Like you're, you're 22 and you don't have a, a parent, ailing parent with dementia. You don't have, thankfully you never lost a sibling and thankfully you've never had cancer. How can that be? And they said, it was just really the feelings that were we related to not specific things that happened to you, but the 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 way that you described the the thing, the emotions that were very relatable to us. So I found that to be fascinating because I never really thought that was going to come of, of the book as well. Okay. So so the book is effectively a, an autobiography or a memoir, is it? Is it rather than a self help book? It's a little bit of both because it's a memoir, but there are kind of these life coach tips at the end of some chapters where I felt that it would be, you know, something that I could pull from that chapter and share as a tip with people. 
Okay. And um, how can we find it? So my book is available on amazon.com or on my website, which is my name, rosiemankis.net, www.rosiemankis.net. Right. Okay. Excellent. And you do lots of other things. So tell me a bit about life coaching as well. Um, there's a lot of people who think about life coaching as um, something that's useful to transition their career into. Can you, can you speak a bit more about that? So the, the best space that I feel that my value comes in the life coaching is for, and the place that I really like to stay the most is um, within people that are diagnosed with breast cancer. Because right. um, I do feel that there's medical questions that are for the doctors, but then there's real personal things that, you know, and personal feelings and emotions that go with, you know, losing that part of your body. You know, I had lung cancer and I had breast cancer and breast is so much more personal. You know, when you get out of the shower, you don't see your lung, you see your breast. And the first time you see your breast after the surgery is very hard to deal with. So I like to stay in that space as one of the places that I can add value by helping those person to really express their emotions and fears and, and help them get through that journey. The other place that I like to coach is when people are having to transition their parent um, into a assisted living or memory care facility um, from home. Um, there's sometimes, at least in my experience, there was guilt associated with that because uh, you know, I, I didn't think that my mom would uh, ever go to a place like that, but it happened that her care level needs were way, way up here. And my ability, because I'm, I'm the only one in my family that live local, yeah. my ability based on my going through cancer was way down here yeah. um, to the point where her health issues um, required, you know, more of a 24 seven staff yeah. as opposed to. So when I go in, when I life coach in that space, I like to help them not only with um, the denial about the need to go into a facility and also the guilt that might come along with that or, or and also um, just preparation, the types of questions to ask and, and how to be as, as knowledgeable as possible so that when you go into uh, the transition that you're better able to, to do it with for your loved one. Yes. Brilliant. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a huge amount of stuff. Why, why life coaching? Why go into that? Was it just a desire to pass on the messages or, or what? I mean, I, I, I just um, had spoken to people that had used life coaches and they felt that they had um, tremendously helped them. Um, I've never actually uh, worked with like a career coach myself, but some yeah. of my friends had worked with career coaches and some of them have said that they work with coaches uh, as opposed to therapists because um, it's more of what's happening right here in the present and yeah. how you want to move from where you are to where you want to go. And I just found that that was very interesting. And I thought that based on you know, my knowledge of these two areas that I could share with you, then I would be able to provide value. Yes. So the assisted living thing is, is, a, is an increasingly troublesome area, isn't it? Because... I mean, with an aging population and with what's happened with COVID, certainly there's there's an issue around real fears about going in, which were probably um, more about anxiety, but they're now genuinely about fear because actually I think there's there's that sense of vulnerability. So how do you think people's attitudes or approaches to assisted living has changed over the last sort of year and a half with COVID? 
I mean, I, I think um, as everyone is, is just fearful because it's the uh, the most vulnerable population is yeah. the aged people. Um, my mom had COVID in early in the um, COVID, so April of 2020. I was so afraid because we didn't, of course, have a vaccine at that point. Yeah. Thankfully, she had no symptoms at all, but she did lose a couple of friends to COVID at that early stage uh, of the disease. Um, now, you know, our fear is that with this new variant, um, you know, I live in the New York City area. Yeah. So I, we have a lot of COVID in New York. Um, as actually, my older son has COVID right now, but he's been vaccinated uh, with both vaccines and the booster. So he has, he doesn't have any symptoms. So yeah, there's a lot of fear. I mean, I'm I my I've been wrestling back and forth with taking my mom out of the facility on Christmas Day to come spend time with us and have a holiday. But at the same time, I'm a little afraid. Um, we're all going to be tested before to make sure because my mom is 91. Wow. And, you know, we don't, and she's vaccinated and boosted, but you know, we. We just don't know with yeah. this new thing where where we're going. So yeah, I, I believe that a lot of people are very fearful for their um, loved ones that are aged at this point. And it's a challenge, isn't it? And, and I'm guessing many of the techniques you used, which were really about actually taking control and making things part of your own control during your own journey, the things that affirmations, gratitude, and the the visualizing and such like that. Uh, they're all control mechanisms. So I'm guessing it's more of, more of that. But it's tricky with your own parents, isn't it? Because they're always right. And they're not like children and that have very strong opinions. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they can be like children in a strange sort of way as well at the same time, can't they? Absolutely. Well, my mom has dementia. So oh. she, um, unfortunately, last year we transitioned her from assisted living into memory care. And we uh, actually put up a little bit of a fight because we thought if she moved into memory care that she would, um, you know, any semblance of herself would diminish. Um, it turned out that it was actually the right place for her to be. She wasn't keeping up in assisted living with the strain of being redirected all, all day through the day and kind of like being told, you know, you need to be here. And memory care is simpler. It's, it's just, there's more, I tell you what, the tipping point was that made us know, like we knew right in the moment that she needed to go was mm -hmm. it was in the middle of July, 2020. And one of her um, aides came into her room to help her with something left for a minute, came back. And my mom was sitting at her kitchen table, eating carried coffee grinds. And we were uh, like, yeah. yeah, okay, now we, that's it. We need to move. And yeah. They, they moved her and they were right. They really were right. We were fighting them, but they were right. She's so, it's so much simpler, more care, you know, more per, uh, personal care. And yeah. uh, it was the right thing to do. Brilliant. Well, Rosie is an amazing story. And uh, let's just make sure that everybody has all your details. So the book is called? Find Your Joy and Run With It. And you can get it from your website, uh, which is rosiemanquez.net. Yes. That's M-A-N-K-E-S dot net. Uh, and I can see that from your site that you're on all the socials, Life Coach mm -hmm. Rosie and such like. Um, uh, anything else you want to say before we finish? It's been a joy to talk to you. Any, any sort of f final conclusions in terms of um, the book, where you're going, what's next? So I just wanted to share one other thing that was really um, very um interesting for me was when I found uh, meditation and mindfulness 
were very significant game changes to me. When, when somebody, one person said to me, you know, you should meditate. I was like, wait a minute. I can't, I have a marching band going on in my head at all times. There's just no way. And last month I, I celebrated 14,000 minutes meditating. Um, and then when I found the uh, mindfulness, that was really big because I was always worrying and obsessing about past things or plotting and planning future things. And finding that the best place to be is where my feet are planted. I, do, I use the sacrament, it's called stop. And basically it's stop, take a breath, observe and proceed. And what I find is that, you know, I, I ask myself, is this real, is these thoughts that I'm having, are they really serving me well? Is it true? And, you know, what do I really need in this moment? And nine times out of 10, I, what I really need is to just stay where I am, where my feet are planted, because in that moment, in that space, if you, you know, in the way I've trained myself, it allows me to see the beautiful gift of now and all the beautiful things that are in front of me that my busy brain would otherwise be missing. Yeah. Um, and that was really important for me because that was a big, big step to yeah. just like not just be casting out future or worrying and about the past. Yes. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's it, for me, it was a, a really important thing. It was pr probably very pivotal in my healing. Yes. I agree. And more of the same for 20, uh, next year, uh, 2022? I'm sorry? More of the same or anything new on the horizon? Any more books? Uh, no, no, I don't have an, a book. I have a, a kind of like a documentary in, in my head right now that I've been thinking about pitching through um, my publicist uh, to pitch it out about my mom and, and uh, what's going on in, in her, her uh, illness. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like in the thought process right now, but maybe, so maybe we'll come back and I'll have something more to share another day. <laughs> Absolutely. Do that pitch. Well, it's been a joy to talk to you. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. You take care. Hi everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.